This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Joe Pisano. Over the last 40 years, Joseph Pisano has been cultivating his practice of healing by going into the realm of self and then back out into the seeming real chaos of the world we participate in. Joseph brings with him from the inner realm an understanding of forgiveness that will embolden those who are lost in the stream of chaos. Utilizing unique principles of healing, Joseph has made his techniques very easy to understand as well as perform. For the last 15 years, Joseph has worked with hundreds of clients, empowering them to achieve elevated states of happiness and joy through movement, mindfulness, and meditation. At the request of his clients, Joseph wrote his first book in 2017, Harmonious Awakening from Under the Shroud, and he is currently working on his second book. Joseph believes in you and loves you very much. Meet Joe at HealWithJoseph.com. Here is the interview with Joe Pisano. In your own words, who is Joseph Pisano? The embodiment of love, compassion, and joy. <laughs> I love that. How many of us can say that? Hopefully, all of us one day, right, Joseph? That is one of my deepest desires is that everyone can truly feel that. So when someone asks them that question, that's the response that they want to give because they they believe it and they live it on such a level that they have no choice but to respond in that way. Yeah, yes. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Harmonious Awakening uh -huh from under the shroud. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off record. The first one for you had to be this one. What does it mean to be a human being? Uh, that's a wonderful warm-up question. <laughs> you know, we live in a sensory-rich world. And for myself, to be a human being is to experience all of those senses, not only the highs, but also the lows, because it is with the lows and everything in between that allows us to really develop and cultivate a mind that is able to be understood, empathetic, compassionate, and joyful and loving. And to be a human being Ultimately, I think, mm. how I feel is 
for us to really get back to the being part. And that is simply just being able to take in all of these wonderful senses that surround us on a daily basis and not get necessarily swept up into the, the, the flow of life that can happen, but truly be able to just be the witness. And for myself, being the witness on this planet is everything. So when you say being the witness, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so being the witness, yeah. so many times we want to just jump into the fire so that we can experience the fire. The fire is beautiful. It is, it's magical. When you're looking at the fire, there are so many things happening. There are so many colors, it's such an array of colors. You know, everything from deep dark reds, oranges, purples, blues, whites, yellows, just such a kaleidoscope with just one simple thing of fire and the sounds and just the warmth, the feeling, all, all of our, you know, VAKs are being stimulated. And so often we don't sit back and just observe that we miss the beauty by just jumping in first. Now there's times to jump right in. I'm totally not saying to not do that all the time, but you know, if you're able to sit back and watch the flames dancing along the firewood, then that might ignite a flame within you to maybe just start dancing on the sand. And so allowing yourself to be the witness of the dance might actually enable you to step back for a moment and say, I don't need to step into the fire to be part of the dance. I can simply witness the dance there and I can now cultivate my own dance outside of the fire. And someone else might witness my dance and they might say, oh my God, that person's on fire. Look at how they're dancing. They're just flowing so free and there's just so much going on. It's beautiful. And now they have the opportunity to witness. It's very much like finding the joy in other people's joy. Oh, I love that. We don't necessarily need to try to make people happy or joyful. That's right. We're just attracted to this idea of making people happy, even though we are not happy ourselves in that moment. I have three questions about life itself. What is life to you, Joseph? I, I love that question. I actually get asked that question more often than I think I probably should get asked that question. <laughs> but um, So I, I've kind of boiled life down to two things information and change. Now, what's really beautiful is 
you know, someone asked me, well, what about energy? You know, isn't life energy? Life definitely is energy. But what kind of energy are you talking about? So we actually need some information about that energy. And then we also know energy changes. So for myself, life is purely about information and change. Then how do we respond and how do we react to that information and change? The more we are able to become that being that we were kind of talking about earlier, just being able to simply be, and the more you're able to be the witness with no reaction or response, either in a positive way or a negative way, then all of a sudden, the information and change that we witness will have such a greater impact on our lives. And we can then allow ourselves to be absorbed into the moment. And really, we always talk about um, in this world, you know, so many people, they, they want to have some level of enlightenment. And, you know, there's different ways you can look at enlightenment. Uh, I am a firm believer that we're all already enlightened, but we have just forgotten it. And we're kind of we're kind of covered by all of this muck that's thrown on us. And and so when we're able to sit back and I go back to being the witness, when we can sit back and be the witness, I don't know if you've ever watched a caterpillar go into the chrysalis and then emerge the butterfly. That's that's life. We're watching the information and the change of that caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And we don't have to insert ourselves into that moment to find the joy that's going to happen when that butterfly comes out of the chrysalis. And so life is a, about really just being able to be, to be in that moment in time. Uh, you know, the common phrase is being in the now, right? Uh, and being in the now can be a lot of things for people. Uh, for myself, it purely just means what is happening right now. For example, right now, you and I are talking and there is nothing else for me. And so for myself, that's what life is. It's being in the now, witnessing, and it breaks down to information and change. What do you think is the opposite of life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, uh, there is a beautiful, beautiful um, like, I, I want to call it, I'm sure that I've got friends who will definitely correct me on this, but a, a beautiful line in the Tao Te Ching that says, I'm going to paraphrase it, that basically says, movement is life and non-movement is death. Mm. Wow. Now, within that you could unpack that one statement or that one sentence. Mm. And essentially, you can say, it is never too late. It's not saying that you can never move again. Mm. It's just saying, if you are not moving, you're closer to death. 
And if you are moving, mm. then you are closer to life. And so, of course, you know, the opposite of life, as we know it, would be the vessel that we are occupying, no longer able to experience the depth of this beautiful and precious gift that we have as being a human being. Mm. Yes. And I and I think that so many people they they live with fear. And fear is such a, a limiting life experience that fear would be closer to life, closer to non-living and you know, creativity and spontaneity and no fear would be closer to living. And the reason I chose the word creativity as the opposite of fear is because to be creative requires you to step away from fear. Those who are willing to let themselves be creative, you're almost saying, I, I don't care what anyone else thinks right now. The only thing that matters is, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Is what I'm doing bringing me joy? And being creative doesn't have to necessarily be in alignment with, oh, are you a painter? If you're not a painter, then you're not creative. Oh, are you a uh, musician? Oh, you're not a musician, you're not creative. Someone could be creative by the way they dress. Someone can be creative by the linguistics they use when communicating with people. So the degrees of creativity are so vast that the more you allow yourself to be creative without caring about the thoughts or feelings of another person. Well, okay, now let me back up for one second. Ideally, we, we don't want to ever hurt another person person or another living being and by living beings i mean pretty much everything on the planet is a living being the planet's a living being you know plants animals trees your neighbors your your friends your strangers we are all living beings so ideally as long as something that you can do in this life that does not harm or negatively impact or affect another living being go for that and as long as the creativity is in alignment with those qualities of non-harming and non-injuring, let your creativity shine. I love that state of being, being creative and this idea of having no fear. So I have a question for you about that. Also, there's another theme in your book that I found to be interesting was the uh, no self-doubt. So that is being in harmony. So I'll be asking you these questions in a moment. But before that, I have another one about reincarnation, past lives and the soul's journey. Talk to me about these ideas or concepts. Well, I, I will do my best. <laughs> I can definitely say that there are other people out there who will definitely have a greater level of understanding. So I will just do my best to share what I can. Uh, through quite a bit of deep meditation and examining 
myself, as well as examining other cultures, uh, literature, it became abundantly obvious to me at a relatively young age that this is not our first time at this circus called life. And when we begin to learn our lessons, you know, through whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, we can call, we can use the word karma here. Uh, and for myself, I, I view karma as universal justice. So if you've done something that is not ideal, something that's bad, then that karma needs to be balanced out. And if you did not have the opportunity to balance it out again, it's the universe is going to give you another chance to redeem yourself. And we are really at the whim of the universe. And since we know that, well, I'm not sure if all of the listeners know that energy never dies. It just, it just changes. It just changes form. And so if we have an energetic pulse that is carrying a certain weight to it, and that weight could be a negative weight. When that, when that energy, it needs to go somewhere, when it goes into the new place it's supposed to be, it is still carrying that weight. And what that energy really wants to do is it wants to be weightless. So it's going to do everything it can to come back as often as it can until the weight is eliminated. And Essentially, that's what reincarnation is. It is our energy coming back so that it can eliminate the weight that it is carrying, the, the burden that it bears. And, and so uh, there are a lot of different theories as far as, you know, the reincarnation of, I have heard that you know, once you have reincarnated into a human, that you will always be reincarnated as a human, that you'll come back as a human. Uh, and I've also heard uh, theories of you can be a human this life, but if you did certain things that were wrong, you might come back in your next life as a fly. Or maybe your next life you'll come back as that caterpillar transforming into the butterfly. Now, there's another really cool thing that I like to think about also is there's a school of thought that says we are born with every breath we take. So every breath you take is a new life. So why can't we be reincarnated with every breath we take? With every new breath, you could be a new you. Imagine that somebody who has been living with anger all of a sudden has an epiphany. They have an awakening moment and they realize, I don't want to be this angry person anymore. Well, they could walk through a door into a room filled with people that do not know who this person is. And if this person is now walking in a joyful, happy person, 
no one in that room will know that they are an angry, upset person because they literally took that breath. They reincarnated themselves into a new existence of happiness. They walked through a door into a realm of people that did not know them. And now he, he or she can be known as a joyful person. Now, it's up to the people that have been in that person's life to allow the change to be what it is. And most of the time, someone can change. You know, the whole idea that people can't change. It's the person who believes people can't change or cannot change. They're the ones that are struggling to change. So somebody can definitely change. But if you continue to hold this image of what that person was, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, then you're holding on to the wrong thing. And you're not allowing the evolution of that person who is changing to really become what they are becoming. I can definitely say without a doubt, I had different things about myself 20 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. We are all changing. And with every breath, that's our new life. And that is a possible moment for a reincarnation of who you are now. So I don't believe that we necessarily have to die to be reincarnated. I think that we can actually reincarnate ourselves right now, right this second. You can be the person you want to be. If you, if somebody's listening and they don't want to have anxiety anymore, face that fear. Face the moment that is saying to you, you should be anxious about this. And ask that question, why should I be anxious about this? The universe will always provide and it will always give you the challenges you need so that you can evolve and take the next steps. That makes so much sense to me, everything you said, and especially this idea of dying before we die, physically die. Yeah, yes. of course. <laughs> Speaking of dying, what is healing to you, Joseph? Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Uh, healing, <laughs> you know... We, we are all healers. Every single one of us is a healer. You know, there are some people who are really good at it because they practice it all the time. And they are, they're always learning how to cultivate their healing skills. Every single human being on the planet, everyone is a healer. If you've ever had a cut on your finger and then a week later, that cut has been healed. You did that. You, your body, your, your human vessel did that. And, you know, you did it without thinking about it. And if you could then realize, oh, my gosh, I was my, my, my body, my unconscious mind healed this cut on my finger. I wonder what would happen if I actually put some energy into learning how to heal myself actually actively as opposed to passively. And a lot of the times for myself, the ways that I have learned about healing, you know, 
or even being the vessel to help another person learn how to heal is honestly talking to the body. Talking to the body. Uh, several years ago, I was at uh, a Vipassana training, uh, which is basically a, uh, the, the length of time was a 10 days of noble silence, you know, where you were basically meditating all day long. And my back, which I had a really terrible back injury happen to myself. I never had surgery. I healed myself. But my back decided that it was going to start yelling at me. And I was starting to make some you know, nice progress during my meditation. And then my back started yelling at me. And I even questioned myself. And the question was, should I leave? And at that moment, my heart, which I listened to my heart 100%, my heart said, you're not leaving. You're here. You're, you're on the right path. You're on the right track. Just communicate. So that's what I did. So I, I began talking to my body and I said, I said, okay, body, mm-hmm. I know I haven't been stretching as much <laughs> as I normally do. Um, I know that I've been sitting for 10 hours a day and you don't like that. So I promise from here on out, I'm, I'm going to spend more time stretching. I'm going to tell you more how much I love you and how thankful I am that you have done such an amazing job healing. And I'm just going to, I'm really going to appreciate you more. And I, I'm sorry that I didn't appreciate you the way you deserve to be appreciated. So I, I make you this promise body from here on out. I'm going to take better care of you. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to, I'm going to compliment you when you're doing a great job. I'm going to be there so holy for you. I love you so much. Thank you for loving me. And I'm so appreciative of you. You are so kind to me. You're so generous for being the way you are. Thank you so much. What was amazing was my back instantly stopped hurting. And that was about three years ago. I haven't had any back pain since. And so it can be something so simple as just talking to your body and just really wholeheartedly with everything, you know, just really honestly believing what you're saying, your body will respond in the way that you want it to respond. And I know that there can very well be people out there who they, they don't want to believe that what I'm saying is true or what people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Matt Jane. I mean, there's actually, I don't want to just list off people, but there's a, there's a huge list of people who have healed themselves through communicating with their body and taking a deliberate practice of really honoring this beautiful vessel, this temple that we occupy. And I truly believe that we can all heal each other. And as you get better at healing yourself, then you can actually become a facilitator to help other people heal. You know, and that's what we all, we're all facilitators. You know, and it's it's important that we learn how to use the tools that the universe has provided for us. 
So I ask this question often, do you believe in unconditional self-love? Yeah, so I do believe in unconditional self-love. And the reason I believe in unconditional self-love is, honestly, when it comes down to it, we are going to love ourselves better than anyone else can ever love us. Because we are the ones who will know the secrets that we might have from our lives. And if we can learn to accept those little secrets, then all of a sudden there's going to be a cascade. There's going to be like an avalanche that begins to flow. And all of a sudden, if you say, well, I can forgive myself of that little thing that happened that maybe was a secret 15 years ago. And that, you know what? I don't even necessarily care about that anymore. So all of a sudden, things that may have held weight for us that was limiting our self-love, when we begin to go within ourselves and we forgive ourselves for things that, you know, we may think that we shouldn't be forgiven for, and then we begin to open up the heart on another level. And we are already all forgiven. Every single person has been forgiven for everything already. Doesn't I don't care if you're an atheist or if you believe in Hinduism or if you're a Buddhist or what or Christian or everybody has already been forgiven for everything. So thinking that, well, I can be happy if this person forgives me, that's that's actually asking the wrong person to start with for forgiveness. You know, accept the fact that you're already forgiven. And once you've done that, then your heart will become lighter. And when your heart becomes lighter, you're able to hear your heart more. You're able to hear the the messages your heart is saying. In fact, I'm, I, may I tell another story from when I was at Vipassana? Okay, so uh, this was four years ago, four years, uh, yeah, wait, four years ago, I was, same thing, 10 days, this was a different time, 10 days in, or yeah, it was a 10-day Vipassana, I was about seven days in, and I was in a pretty deep meditation in my room. So I wasn't in the hall, I was in my room. And all of a sudden, a memory from when I was about four years old came to my mind. And this memory was, my sister was being a brat to me. And so I didn't like that. And I punched her in the stomach. She then grabbed her stomach and said, oh my God, now I'll never be able to have kids. Now, all of a sudden, my heart dropped, you know, because I'm now seeing this as, you know, a 43-year-old man, and my sister has not had kids. And I, my first thought is, oh my God, is she not able to have kids because I punched her in the stomach when I was four years old? Well, you know, then all of a sudden, my heart started to chime in. Well, Joe, you're only four years old. You were not punching like Mike Tyson. <laughs> Plus, she didn't even have, you know, she wasn't even at the point where she had even started 
having her menstrual cycle yet. So more than likely, you did not do this to her. So all of a sudden, now I have now shifted my, my mind. And I said, okay, I didn't do this to her. So what I started to do was uh, the, the lunch bell rang. It just went bong right as I'm having these thoughts. So I start to walk to the dining room and I begin to say to my sister, I love you so much. Thank you so much for loving me. I hope you can forgive me. Please forgive me. And so I'm saying this as I walk to the dining hall. I get to the dining hall and I'm just, this is on rinse and repeat in my mind. I love you. Thank you for loving me. I'm just saying it over and over again. I go into the dining hall and on the table was this big thing of macaroni and cheese served in the same serving dish, the same style of baking that my sister would make when I go to visit her for Christmas. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the universe telling me like everything is okay. My sister is sitting here putting energy out. Here is her macaroni and cheese sitting right in front of me. And I start, I almost laugh out loud and everybody's in silence. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't laugh out loud because if I do, I'm going to disturb everybody else. And so I just sat there and I was reeling on how beautiful a moment like this was. And so when I got to see my sister many months later at Christmas time, I shared this story with her and I said, you know, and I just hope that you can forgive me. She, she looks at me with this beautiful smile she has and she says, I haven't thought about that. In fact, I didn't even know, I didn't even remember that that happened. She goes, so of course you're forgiven. And it was like, well, of course. Of course, the things that we hold on to that we think we need to be forgiven for, more often than not, the other person isn't thinking about it at all. And so what, oh, uh, uh, go ahead, I was going to say, so as we begin to go deeper into forgiving ourselves, the unconditional love blossoms, because at that point, we can say, okay, if I make a mistake, first thing I'm going to do is, I'm going to forgive myself. And then if need be, if I need to say like, hey, please forgive me to the person, then I'll go ahead and say it. But if not, there's nothing to be forgiven for. And we are all made exactly the way we're supposed to be made. We all are who we're supposed to be. If you are the most physically beautiful person in the world, but you have an IQ of two, you are exactly who you're supposed to be. And if you are somebody who is struck in a wheelchair, but you have the most beautiful mind, you are who you're supposed to be. And everyone in between, you are who you're supposed to be. And that is beautiful. And that's what makes our world so amazing. So unconditional love just basically is saying, go ahead and love yourself because you were made perfectly. That's um, powerful statement to not to believe in but to know right joseph yes to know. and that's it it's all about knowing it yeah somebody could say well i believe that i was made perfectly does that hold as much power as somebody say i know i was made perfectly yeah can you tell me the difference between 
practicing self-love and not selfishness? <laughs> sure. So, you know, the I'm trying to remember the book. It was a Dalai Lama. He wrote that there's times to be, you know, selfish on your self, and that's an appropriate selfishness. And then there's times that it's not appropriate to be selfish on yourself, and that is not appropriate selfishness. So, for example, let's say that you have a friend, and your friend is sick, and so you want you want to run over there and help them, but you are also sick. It would be selfish of you to go over to your friend's house and possibly make your friend even sicker. So the best thing to do is be a little selfish and take care of yourself so that you can heal. And then as soon as you're healed, then you can go over and help your friend. And you can then do everything you can to help facilitate them getting better and them healing. And now when it comes to self-love, if you don't love yourself wholeheartedly, how can you expect someone else to love you the way you want to be loved if you don't know how to love yourself? You've got to love, you've got to love yourself unconditionally first because then you realize I'm going to love myself this way. And if somebody is not giving me the love that I deserve, the love that I require in order for me to blossom and grow into the, to the human being that I'm supposed to be, then I need to walk away from that person. It doesn't mean that I have to, you know, throw the person out of my life, but it just means, you know, in order for me to be the best that I can be, I need to separate myself from this person. And so often than not, people are willing to take whatever is given to them, even if it doesn't make them feel good. And so by selfishly loving yourself unconditionally, unabashedly, just saying, this is who I am, world, here I am, that's going to give you greater ability to love those you're interacting with. And so that selfish love of you saying, I'm going to love myself unconditionally, that's that's the appropriate kind of selfishness, as long as, once again, you're not hurting or harming another person. Now, somebody who might say, oh, I love myself unconditionally, I'm a perfect person, but then they go out and they do things that hurt or harm another person, then that is the wrong kind of selfishness and that selfishness needs to be examined because ultimately the better we become as a human being, the more that we'll be able to help tend the garden of other human beings. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Everyone that I talk to in the way they say the same thing in that sense that uh, if you can't love yourself, then you won't be able to love others. But you said something different that I didn't hear before. So if we don't love ourselves, you said, then how can we even know what love is when it comes to somebody else loving us? So we won't know what that is. No, I just, um, I think that's it. You know, when it comes to the self-love, when you can love yourself, like, 
you know, like I had said earlier, when you can love yourself unconditionally on all levels, then you will know the love that you want to receive. Yes, it makes a lot of sense. The heart and the mind. <laughs> so what was the inspiration and the intention of writing your book, Harmonious? Well, the, the inspiration and intention was I had so many clients <laughs> telling me that I needed to get these words out there to more people because the level that I was able to help them, to help my clients, they felt like more people needed that. They, they really just were so happy with how easy some of the tools and techniques I give people are to healing that they, they were like, you've got to get this out there. You, you just need to just write whatever, just, just put something together. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a thousand pages, just, just put some things down on paper. And, um, so that's what I did. I just, I started writing and I was in this jumble of a mess where it was almost like I was just gurgitating words on a piece of paper. And then uh, I was so fortunate that one of my clients, Lisa Kearns, she actually was the one who uh, helped me edit this book. I got to a place where I was stuck and I said, I have no idea where to go from here and it's a jumbled mess. Can you help me? And she just gave me the most beautiful feedback. She said, just, you know, move this one part here, move it over here. Don't worry about where you're moving it. And let's see how that changes things. So I did. I, I took the part she was talking about. I moved it. I didn't care where I put it. I just moved it. And then I went back and I reread it. And I started laughing. I was like, oh, my God. I went from feeling like I'm 40% done to now I'm closer to like, 80% done. And then I said, oh, well, let me look to where did I move that section? And I ended up moving it to the exact perfect place that it should have gone. And I just was like, so filled with joy and laughter that I know my wife, when this was happening, I just started laughing out loud. And she was probably wondering, why are you laughing so loud? Like, I, I laugh all the time. So it's not uncommon for me to just start laughing. But I was really just vocal with this laughter. And so uh, after that, things just started to formulate. And my intention was, I wanted it to be an easy enough read that anyone could read it. I didn't want it to be one of those books where I was using so much unique terminology um, or being too esoteric and like limiting the audience. And so I really, I wanted people to be able to read it and feel my heart. And so my intention was total heartfelt. I wanted somebody to read this and say, okay, he's speaking from his heart and he's, he's really being, you know, vulnerable with me. And I, I don't know if you read the book, but, you know, I, you know, talk about like when my cat died and me crying so deeply that I was getting teased by kids when I was in you know, junior high because they thought it was funny that I was crying about a dead cat. And I, I put that in there because 
I was thinking, you know, there's probably other men out there who they grew up with a tender heart and maybe they got picked for having picked on for having a tender heart. And it's okay to have a tender heart because that's what makes us so beautiful is being able to have a tender heart and sharing that heart with others. And so I really wanted people to know my love and and know that I wanted them to have access to me. And the ability for them to have access to me was writing a book that was as simple as it is. I feel like Harmonious is a very simple book. I don't think it's too challenging to read. Um, I make a joke at the end of the book, like, if you read this in two hours, that's fantastic. If it takes you years, that's also fantastic. Because, you know, people are going to go through it at a different pace. Right. And, um, and that's what it's intended for. It's intended so that somebody can maybe pick it up and read a passage and put it down. And if they don't get back to it, then they don't get back to it. And, and if somebody decides they want to flip through it in a couple hours, that's, that's fantastic as well. It's all about the whatever they need to get from it, right? I believe that. Yes. So in your book, there are some themes that caught my attention. Something that you talk about universal harmony. Do you connect harmony to balance? 100%. 100%. They are the same. Uh, harmony and balance is... I don't think there's any separation between the two. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever listened to a piece of music that maybe when the person who wrote it, they had the most beautiful chord changes and they had all of the perfect instruments and the voices that they recorded were just angelic. However, when they recorded it, they didn't get all the levels right. And some of the instruments are too loud uh, other instruments are too soft and maybe the microphone that the singer was singing into was crackling a little bit and so there's this beautiful piece of music that wasn't balanced properly and so you hear it and you kind of go oh you know i i can see where they're going but i just it doesn't really it doesn't hit me the way i believe they want to do it and then you get the same musicians you get the same chord changes, you get the same melodies. And now you have somebody who is so dialed in that they are beyond precise with all of the equalization of the levels and the volumes. And all of a sudden you hear this piece of music and it is such a beautiful piece of music, it brings you to tears. So you can have a wonderful harmony, but if it's out of balance, it won't move you the way it could possibly move you. And then all of a sudden you get the harmony that's dialed in and it's perfectly balanced. It can move you to heights that you never even could have expected. Maybe even feelings that you had never explored before within yourself. And so balance and harmony is inseparable in my opinion. And that's one of the things that's so important. Um, it's like the high wire walker, you know, the one who's walking, you know, across a couple poles and they're walking on this very thin wire. If they lean too far to one direction, they'll fall off. 
And so they actually, when they walk on the wire, the wire is actually moving side to side a little bit. And so they need to be in harmony with this moving of the wire. And they need to find that balance while staying in harmony of the wire that's swaying back and forth. And only then can they get across to the other side. That makes me think about perfection. And then you said something interesting. You said the harmony already exists within us. Yes. We already have harmony, but a lot of times we are out of balance. <laughs> That's the message you are trying to put out there? Absolutely. So in our body, we have gases, we have acids, we have waters, we have soft tissue. We have so many things working together to make sure that we can be the being that we are. And if one of those things is out of balance, that's when the system begins to get corrupted a little bit. That's when people get sick. And then all of a sudden, if we can balance out the harmony between an acid and a water, you balance that harmony out, then, then you're okay, you're healthy. If you balance out the difference between the oxygen that's in your lungs and that's in your bloodstream, and you balance that out with the nutrients that are in your bloodstream, you're going to be happy and healthy. And even when it comes to the cellular level, we have fluids outside of the cell, the extracellular fluid, and then we have the cells, the water inside the cell, the intercellular fluid, even those are working at a level to make sure that there is a balance and a harmony between the two. So that way, the water that's inside the cell has enough uh, liquid in it so that it can stay healthy and happy, but it also makes sure that there's enough water outside the cell to make sure that the cell is happy and healthy. So there's a harmony of balance that's going on at the cellular level that we're not even conscious that it's happening. It's just happening on its own. So harmony is literally happening within us right now, but our mind gets in the way of that harmony. One of my favorite things, and I love this, is when I'm walking in any place where there's you know, somebody, somebody somewhere in public, and there's somebody who is singing, and they don't think anyone can hear them singing, and they're just singing. And it sounds beautiful, right? It's just amazing. And I will always comment, I'll go, oh my God, don't stop singing because I'm here. Keep going. It was wonderful. So much of the time, I will hear them say, oh no, I have a terrible voice. Well, compared to who? If you compare your voice to you, you have the beautiful voice, right? Pete, you got to stop comparing yourself to other people. Comparison is the thief of joy, right? And so if you say to yourself, oh my God, don't stop singing because you had a beautiful voice. And the person says, I do have a beautiful voice for me. Oh my God. Yes, you do. I'm going to start singing with you. And of course we're off key. Ah. <laughs> but cute. it will be magical because at no other point in the history of existence have those two voices come together in that way. So 
So we took something that was out of balance and we went ahead and we found the joy of both of us kind of have silly voices. We came together to sing and now we had this harmonious balance of two voices that are not necessarily the greatest voices in the world compared to the greatest voices in the world, but our voices are great for us. I, I love it. I love when people are in the grocery store and they're singing or they're dancing. I literally will start dancing down the aisle with them or I'll start singing or humming with them. And it bonds us in a way that, you know, most people, they don't expect to bond with somebody that's a stranger in a situation like that. And when you can bond with somebody at the heart centered level, essentially meaning that neither one of us is trying to get anything from the other person. We are just simply sharing joy and sharing an excitement for life and a zest and a zeal for life. That is so powerful. It's just so powerful. I love this message. It's a powerful one about not comparing ourselves to others. And that will also, in a way, stop judgment, which is so harmful. It's so harmful. It's so harmful. We have no right to judge. And part of the reason why we do judge is because we're already judging ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so if we, if we think, well, it's okay because I'm judging myself, then it's okay that I judge other people. But as soon as you stop judging yourself, and you love yourself unconditionally, you have no interest in judging others because, you know, you are wanting somebody else to know the love that you have for yourself. So you're putting that love out there. And if you are not judging yourself, then you're not going to have any desire to judge anyone else because you're, you already realize they're judging yourself is useless. And so I have no interest in judging somebody else. I have so many questions here that I would love to ask you. You talk about the heart's wisdom, and we talked about your self-compassion, the word in the book. Um, we talked yes. about self-love and unconditional self-love, and not the idea of self-doubt, not having that, the power of laughter, sense of humor, meditation, mindfulness. So, so many wonderful themes, but because of the time I have a few more questions for you, not you too it. many at this point, but let me ask you this question before. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book before I ask you my final questions? Uh, you know, not that I can think of, you know, not that I can think of right now. Um, you know, uh, would it be okay if I would read something from the book that I'm starting to write right now? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. As I was basking in the joy of simply being, I wrote the following. I was blind in ways that I did not know. So I walked away from myself. I wasn't lost. I was home. I started to become anew. I was seeing things that I was blind to before, so I continued walking. Every door I wanted to open vanished before I could grasp the handle. Who am I now? 
even more ordinary than the dirt under my toes. I am so ordinary, my reflection is in your eyes. I love you. I love you so much. My breath escapes me only to be received by you. All of you. Not one of you left out. How my eyes swell with joy and radiant abundance when you look into my face. I want to weep, but I do not want you to think I am sad. There is no place for sadness in my heart when it comes to you. All of you. Oh, how I love you all. Oh, how I love you. I will follow from behind when you need. I happily follow because your light is so bright and I trust your heart. And when you request me to lead, my hand outstretched to pull you up with me. Always. All of you. Oh, how I love you all. I just realized it takes courage to say that I love you to people we think we don't know <laughs> as we are connected here. Yes. And one, right? That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. funny. I think I had this for the first time after interviewing so many people. I had one of my guests say that to me in the end, and I was like shocked. Like, what? I love you? I didn't even know what to say back. <laughs> how to answer that. That was oh, funny. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And how do you answer now when we say I love you? That's funny, isn't it? It seems to me it's the idea of love that we have in the mind, the concept of love. Now I would say that I love you back. I love you too. I love that's wonderful. Yes. Yes, I love that. Is that is so interesting, Joseph. I just realized that. I mean to genuinely to say that from that space, that deep space of knowing what life is all about and that we are all connected, all one essentially. There's no two, although the experience of two is here. That's right. Yes. How can we experience unconditional love without two in the first place? So, okay, I have two more questions for you. This yes. one is about losing the body. If you knew you would lose the body, you would die soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Honestly, no, because I'm in such a place now where um, I'm really trying to live my best life right now. And if something comes up that I feel that I should be doing, I, I go for it. And so right now I'm in a place where I'm, my contentment is so high. It is so high. My gratitude is so deep that I'm just really enjoying and loving the experience. So I, uh, you know, when something comes up and I think to myself, oh, will, will, will this thing that I'm thinking about continue my journey towards being the most joyful Joseph that I can be? If the answer is yes, then I go for it. And if the answer is no, then maybe I put it on the back burner. But I always am moving towards joy. I'm always moving towards joy. If something's going to elevate my level of joy, I want that. I want to be going that direction. If something is like, oh my gosh, you should go do this because you're going to find so much more joy in your life, I go for it. I jump all in and I'm not somebody who is easily embarrassed or who, you know, cowers at taking a risk. So I'm totally on board with going for it. And in fact, last year, 
I was on a, a plant medicine journey and I, I actually thought that I was dying for a second mm. and I started to laugh. <laughs> I started to laugh and I was like, okay, great. If this is, if this is how it ends for me, this is how it ends for me. I'm, I feel like I've been living the life that I'm supposed to be living. And I, I have zero regrets. I have only love for everybody that I encounter, even if there's somebody who challenges me and, you know, and they think that they might be challenging me in a negative way. I always seem to reframe things to make it a positive way. Okay. So, so somebody who's trying to, you know, be negative, I always reframe it, which yeah. annoys those people. Right. <laughs> I can imagine. You know? So, yeah, <laughs> it's, really, it's really funny, you know, because I just want to, I just want to live with as much joy as I can possibly live with. And anything that uh, keeps me moving towards greater joy, I move towards it. My last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Uh, that life is perfect and it's our expectations of what we believe life to be that makes it not perfect. That love is the greatest gift that we have the ability to experience and that we are so blessed to be experiencing this current moment in time, that we are amidst the great awakening on our planet and we are here now to witness it. Thank you so much for your presence your joyful presence. Oh, thank you. Your profound wisdom and your message mm -hmm. to all of us. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it was such a joy to be on your show. Any time was it was absolutely wonderful. I have one more question for you, but this is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services and future projects? Absolutely. Uh, you can go to my website healwithjoseph.com and there uh, on that website you can uh, find links to uh, my book you can also find my book on Amazon simply by typing in Harmonious Awakening from Under the Shroud and I'm going to be revamping my uh, my website here in the next about a month because I'm going to be starting a, a new YouTube channel called Journey to Joyful. And that's going to have a lot of tips for how I've helped people move towards joy, how I move towards joy. And um, so that should be also coming out in the next couple months. So there will be all that information on the uh, on that uh, website, healwithjoseph.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Joseph. Thank you. Bye. Love you. I love you too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> you did it. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> That's Thank you for listening. To learn more about Joe Pisano and his work, please visit healwithjoseph.com. This podcast.
podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.